0: I think it definitely matters to go back to, you know, who your audience is and really hold on, to, hold on to like what exactly they need and the things that bother them on a day-to-day basis, where your product can help with that area and, you know, make their life easier. That's probably the second reason why people are in this is list.
1: You're listening to Ecomonics, a Beautify podcast. Your resource for one of a kind insights into the world of e commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state of the art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. My guest today, Janae Reneta, AKA the Realist J, comes from a niche most, but respectfully not all, are affected by that's hair. You know, I wrote that down. Now that I'm saying it out loud, I guess one way or another we're all affected by it. Anyways, when we talk about niches, we do so in the context of their market value, but it's good to take a few moments and consider how each niche can have a deep, meaningful impact on our well-being. and hair can make a big difference. I would know I've only been obsessed with mine since high school. So as you listen, you may not suddenly take an interest in the hair niche yourself, but I want you to instead focus on the human characteristics that something seemingly aesthetic has once you start analyzing it more in depth. The same is true of any niche, and that is what I want you to think about. John, I. Renata, it is good to have you here on Ecomonics. Thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, taking the time to talk with us today. How are you doing? How you, how you feeling?
0: I appreciate being here. I'm doing all right for the most part. The weather is getting warmer, so... Whereabouts are you? In Virginia.
1: Right on. Yeah. We're here in uh, Toronto, Canada. We've had our first like day that didn't have a negative uh, number attached to it. So, wow. <laughs> people people are out in their shorts taking their chihuahuas for a walk, like at, at long last. Yeah. I'm not, I don't have to confuse the chihuahuas for the babies anymore because the chihuahuas, a lot of the people here own them, they'll like treat them as like babies and never grow up. So they'll just put them in and they'll swaddle them in blankets and stuff like that. It's cute.
0: I saw uh, um, a cat in a stroller yesterday
1: very interesting. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on the personality. I just can't imagine a cat would want to uh, stay uh, too long in one of those things. I don't know, buckle down <laughs> or something like that. All right. Well, we've definitely got some great stuff we want to get to today. There's, uh, as always, I get a chance to learn about our guests beforehand. So I, I'm always, I, I it never occurred to me, but I tend to, be, I'm like, spoiled on this before the audience uh, gets to learn all about it. But you definitely have uh, uh, you've taken a lot of initiative. And I think your story is, uh, is inspiring. And the more stories I get to hear, I think the more likely we're going to get more people to uh, take the plunge as well. So opening question, if uh, our longtime listeners know what's coming, here we go. Tell us who you are and what do you do?
0: Um I'm Johnny Renetta, aka the day. I am a entrepreneur all in all. I have uh, multiple things that I dabble into initially, the hair industry and that transition into uh, social media management and um, business type of thing. So that's mainly about me. I went to school for mass communications at North Carolina Central, and I studied broadcast media. so. I'm definitely taking advantage of my degree.
1: Sorry, just I will clarify with the uh, the transitioning. So, are you still like what like for your day to day right now? Uh, is it still you're still doing work in the in the hair side or more in the in the branding side?
0: So I do a little both. Okay. Um, daytime, I'm social media manager. I manage for an organization called JomaWorks. and now I am. doing uh, it by night, like. That's when I started to dabble into my entrepreneurial world, uh, YouTube, hair industry, business.
1: All right. Well, there's a couple of threads that I want to get through. One of them is actually, I I wasn't really planning on this, but I think this would be a a great subject to hear about some of your experience in school. Now, with uh, your degree in, sorry, so it's mass communications and in broadcast. And uh, how long ago was it uh, when you were in school or was it just like, or was it last week? Like, when did, you, uh, when did you wrap that up?
0: I graduated in May, 2019.
1: May, 2019. For a second there, I thought, is that when I graduated? And then I confused 2007 <laughs> with 2017. So it's actually <laughs> been, it's, 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 been a de- it's been like a decade uh, since I've been in um, college. Although I have like a long kind of beef with, uh, with education, I will say my post-secondary education has been some of the best because it has also been some of the most contemporary. The educators and the instructors are all people who are actively in the industry, and so they have to also pay attention to what's going on. And you can tell if the instructor him themselves are dated because people have to apply what they teach in actuality and find oh, this doesn't actually doesn't actually work. So, one thing I, w- I would like to know about um, your 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 experience in in the post secondary educational field being aware of video content, YouTube content, social media content, did you find that the educational experience was like up to contemporary? Um, Were they doing what they could to prepare you for the future?
0: Honestly, I have a kind of mixed feelings about that because I was in that transition period where social media started to become actually a career and it wasn't seen as something as people just doing for fun anymore. So I didn't get that education piece of format of video content and in general crafting together it to actually look like something that you can transition onto like YouTube or, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all the all these other platforms. So I was taught mainly on um, television and commercial radio, those types of things. And at one point it, it did kind of overlap into like, like, Career Because I worked through school in the same field, and it did help. And then at times, it it honestly didn't help (laughs) at all. We didn't really have books behind it. So it was kind of just like up in the air, out of the blue type of situation.
1: See, I remember from college, we... In addition to the professors, we would also have there would be like lectures. It would give people a chance to come in and teach for a day rather than have to develop a whole curriculum. And so this was when they were trying to introduce us to making video content on on YouTube. They were trying to introduce us to uh, to the to editing suites. They were trying to introduce us to. You know, where not so social media, not quite, it was, it was way too early for social media at the time, but if somebody was an early adopter in it, they would have been brought into the program to lecture us for the day. So w- was there really like any presence for social media? Was there even like a, a single day lecture? Was anybody at the time aware of how important this was going to be?
0: No, honestly, <laughs> it was my senior year when they started to roll out classes in social media. So I I never got to take an elective into it. I kind of just had to learn on my own.
1: Okay, so let me uh, let me hear that story then. So take me through, I guess, how you went from I don't know, just using social media for fun. I'm kind of making an assumption there, but I'm going to assume that it was it was fun. To then building a career out of it. Um, Similarly, I kind of would do the same thing with podcasting. Like, it's been about ten years for me. And I made the choice that I wanted to make a career out of it because kind of got sick of losing my sales jobs.
0: I started out, um, it was way before college. It was actually in high school when Instagram first started coming out for me. Um, I started to dabble into it. Previously, I had accounts with like MySpace, Facebook, and you know, that wasn't really like a platform where people can become an influencer on. And it wasn't mm-hmm. even the term influencer back then. It was just um, what it was. And I just really I started to follow people who um, collaborated with brands, and um, they did marketing and social media, and I I just admired that a lot, and I wanted to dabble into it. Initially, I wanted to get like a lot of followers. You know, that was kind of like a thing for me, a challenge for me mm-hmm. to figure out how exactly these people you know scaled like that, and then it transitioned into um, just me dabbling on each platform. And it was fun for me. It was a challenge, um, understanding algorithms and just doing my research on that. It actually never dawned on me to go to school for it. I actually went to school initially for nursing and then I transitioned to biology and then I went to Mass Comm. Um, So it started out in high school and then um, my mom made the suggestion of, you know, taking a change of course and Exploring mass communications and it just happened to work out for me.
1: And I, I would imagine that some of the fundamentals that you had picked up in mass communications are broadcast television and radio. There are some uh, some insights that would come with you as you uh, uh, work in social media because it is a continuation of a lot of that. Just trying to send a message out and get that message to reach as many people as you can. Uh, what, I, what I do have to wonder though, because I always want to address this through a line when I get a chance, is like what prompted the the shift, right? Going from nursing to biology to well, I mean, I'm <laughs> saying e-commerce in like broad <laughs> perspective. I think technically it counts, but specifically it's the social media management.
0: I was grossed
1: out. Okay. yeah, uh, nursing,
0: yeah. <laughs> nursing biology grossed me out i don't like germs i don't like bacteria i don't like blood and i was just like i was i wasn't motivated at all it just i was just lost and um i needed something new
1: yeah that's fair i i i don't want to turn this into like a gross out podcast no There's, there was there was a part <laughs> where i was trying to clean my tub out with my hand yesterday it was a Poor idea that I will uh, not do again, at least for <clears throat> another week. <laughs> so, what I hear uh, now about, I guess, so, so you're, you're working is just with one particular client for uh, for social media management. So, I guess I would like to hear something about like the day to day, and we can go as like as detail oriented as as you're allowed to do, right? I don't want you to give away any of your company's uh, any of your company secrets, but like software, for instance, like what kind of software you use to manage it. Uh, how communication goes internally, like if you have to run past something with, like if the message you're ready to write it and you have to run it past somebody, or if they kind of trust you, they give you guidelines. So how does your uh, how's your workflow dictated?
0: I'm more like an employee with them, and so they have clients underneath I mean, them that I manage. So I manage clients um, on average about ten different accounts, multiple platforms, and I manage a team of social media representatives. coordinators and day-to-day we utilize hootsuite a lot Uh, we utilize native social media platforms um and for personally i use um a social media calendar outline i'm very detail oriented and organized and if it's not you know in front of me laid out i lose my mind Um, and GQs, I don't know if you've heard of the platform before.
1: Unfortunately, uh, I know the Men magazine, but I don't know.
0: It's very, it's, it's very interesting. It lets you uh, basically create categories on different tasks that you want to be completed. And you can um, assign them to people much kind of like um, Asana, Ivana, something. It's one of those platforms. Yeah,
1: Asana. Yeah, that one I heard Asana,
0: of. yes. So it's, it's kind of like Asana, but it's, um, google
1: Uh, with onboarding clients so i would figure that clients are going to fit in one of two camps either you have a clientele who they've got their social media going but i don't know they just need to delegate and then and they kind of have like the voice figured out uh and then i also figure that there are companies or potential clients who don't have a social media presence and they need to work with somebody to develop a voice so is there so I'll, i'll start with like is there like Are there any other, I don't know, categories or demographics for client work? And then uh, after that, I'd like to hear about the onboarding process and how uh, clients in in either cap, like how you, how a relationship is set up when they don't have anything versus taking over something that they've already pre-established.
0: I'm big on listening. So when we have initial conversations, we get understanding of, you know, where you are exactly, whether you do, or you don't already have a social media presence and what your voice is already on there a lot of times i find that whether they do or don't it kind of leads you on the same path of figuring out okay what exactly is the problem and then we can you know strategize together to figure out exactly what you need and the biggest component of that is the voice the tone not everybody has the same niche and a lot of people that i've worked with they have um multiple things that they're a part of and they want to kind of like capture that all into either one platform, or multiple platforms. And that's where we, um, when we onboard them, we, you know, have that initial conversation and basically flesh it out through strategy. And that's mainly all I can say about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I had a feeling that like, okay, the veil is going to come down at some point, but by the way, I just a little, a little bit about my, uh, uh my my mindset is is that i I go through uh YouTube content just to kind of like pick out what would be some interesting talking points and like okay, gotta focus on research, gotta focus on research. oh, there's a YouTube video about you being kidnapped all right, well, I gotta check this one now <laughs> <laughs> but uh, listeners you they can go go check out the the youtube video to to hear that story. I'm not gonna make a it here. I just' kinda that was like,
0: definitely a story
1: <laughs> oh what a, there was a plot twist in there I didn't see coming <laughs> anyways. I also want to definitely get your, your, your insights into, uh, hair. And while uh, I'm going to admit, I don't personally see myself getting into the, uh, uh, hair market, but I also don't know the personality matrix of every last person listening. So we never know. And I think it'd be great to, uh, if, if we can just take away some fundamentals, stuff that's true about one niche can, could potentially be true about other niches as a start. Um let's just run through exactly what your uh, hair business looks like right now so I don't ask you a question that is not relevant to what you're currently doing.
0: So right now my hair business is mainly focused on um custom wigs, um wig services and helping um entrepreneurs in the beauty industry scale and grow um essentially for free. That's what I, you know, try to strive for and then Just um, I have paid services and products that can help them, you know, transition onto their next step in their business or starting out or that continuation to expand.
1: And so I, I, I'm sorry, but but are are you um, uh, selling any product on your own uh, on this front right now, or are you just working with others to help them sell for now?
0: So I sell a couple things. I kind of just want to focus on others, though. I don't really. I've done. I've done a lot for just me and I've gained that experience so it's mainly me being able to give back and share now.
1: Okay. So I guess the first thing that I would want to know and I'm and I'm putting myself in the unusual position kind of like what would a version of me be like if I was really interested in in selling hair? Uh I will say there has been a couple of uh, windows of time where I would like try to grow my hair out so then I would cut it off. Actually, okay, it's silly question, but I, I just got to start with that one. How much of like hair in the in the wig market is uh, real versus synthetic?
0: It kind of just depends on your vendor and um, it's definitely very diverse. So you can have, years ago there was this thing called Remy and it was human hair and it was like the highest grade of human hair but now we have like virgin hair or um, raw hair. And then you also have like synthetic hair, which is your face, fake hairs, um, blended hair, you know, that type of thing. So it can definitely vary. But it's I don't know exactly off the top of my head, like how much is more. But I feel like there's there's a lot of real hair out here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like if I had to. I, if I had to guess, and this really is just a guess, I would guess that artificial hair um, has a higher market share, just because natural hair does take time to grow, uh, yeah. and yeah. So that, that's kind of like my 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 gut reaction to it, but uh, uh, worth uh, worth asking. All right. Um, in, so in the hair business, I I will say that I did formulate this question initially more like if I thought you were specifically selling to them, but I think you can actually answer it better now that I know that you're working with uh, multiple people who are themselves uh, marketing this. So what kind of clientele do you see? Um, I would figure that like, you have like hobbyists who just want to collect wigs, like in the same way other people like to collect, I don't know, vintage mugs. You have, um, actors, performers, people in theater, like business The business side of it, and then there is there is I don't know if I would say it's a market, but there are people who, for one reason or another, no longer have hair on their head and want to get something else. So those are my guesses. But what kind of clientele do you do? What other clientele do you see in the market, or like what activity do you see based on these particular ones?
0: So I definitely feel like with the hair industry, there are multiple ways that you know there's more there's multiple ways you can skin a cat, and it's just like there are people who sell directly to businesses which is something that i focus on a lot um helping them in their field there's people who do sell to clients where they are suffering from like alopecia or they just there's some people who just wear weave constantly and they definitely will spend money and when i say money i mean like thousands of dollars on the hair and um then you have people who are in union sag and they do hair, they do hair for celebrities, on set type of thing. But yeah, those are those are some things that uh, occur. And I, you know, I work with business owners, but there's other audiences definitely that I want to market to and you know sell products to to help them in their field. But yeah, so far, yeah, that's it.
1: Um, what would be some of those other markets? I mean, I'm just just right i'm just i'm just wondering
0: definitely people who suffer from alopecia okay. children um even uh cancer patients um which is kind of like where my middle name stems from my aunts they suffered from um breast cancer and one of them actually had like a thing for wigs which is something that i just recently found out so i just think that's kind of um, interesting how it's playing a role in my now and mm-hmm. um part of the reason why i want to you know, give back to women who, you know, they lose their hair, they go through a process and really not having hair as a woman is a process that you have mm. to learn to really like love yourself. So just putting our love back into them. Definitely.
1: I, I appreciate that. And um, what, one thing to, um, um, make light of it, just for myself. Is um, as a guy having hair is a process uh, because the longer it goes, and we're like, when are you going to get a cut? And then there are times where like I, because I have, I took me like ten years to develop like how, my my hair care routine. Uh, yes. Where I'll, I'll shower, uh, gel the sides, condition the top, and I put a hat on, and then I let my hair bake. So then that way it dries naturally and it keeps the the current shape. I'll I'll do that, and then I'll hop on a video, and people will be like, Do you get a haircut? Like n- n- no, oh, no. It's just. <laughs> I just, I just I just did like twelve steps. You didn't know about the twelve steps, anyways. Um yes, but I, I do, it's a process. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do appreciate the the thought into uh, assisting women who have lost their hair because you know I, it, it's a sensitive subject and yeah. uh, and these illnesses they you know they take a lot out of people and so I can imagine how it must feel to then look at oneself in the mirror and see a part of ourselves is actually lost, like you know some 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 clues maybe a little bit. Um, more subtle. Like if a skin is a little bit more pale or eyes a little bit more sullen, some stuff can just be kind of like mitigated or uh, put out of mind, but like not having the hair it's, it's a constant reminder kind of like feel the top of my head for a second. And you know, I feel the baldness of it because I did work in a theater store for about, uh, well, it was, it was, I would say like six, six to eight months could have gone on longer, but they raised a the minimum wage. And so I actually lost my job for it, but that's okay. Well, wow. you know, it helps some people. It doesn't help other. That's all the politics really. And we, you know we, we we did have wigs for sale and, and they said you know some of these people they come in they just they want to get their identity back they, they you know they really feel like the lost part of some of themselves when they lost their hair i, I did want to f- find out more about the other side of it is like people who they like, say like hobby collectors or they just like develop a taste for wigs far be it from like any one individual to break down the complete psychology of it but this is the best chance i got so far so you know how does somebody develop a taste to want to wear wigs Get granted, assuming that they've already got their own hair, anyways.
0: I think it's mainly like um, being able to have the versatility as a as a black woman. Natural hair is a lot. Like we we kind of fall into the same category of that twelve step process that can literally take all day long. And then there are some times where if your hair is like tighter, of a curl, it can be harder to manage and to even grow. Because um it'll break off. So there's some people who I think um take advantage of that to wear wigs as a protective style. And it it gives them that versatility of whether or not they want to cut hair, cut their hair or color it without damaging their natural hair and still being able to grow it out. And, you know, they take the wig off and they do whatever they want to do to their hair. And I'm sure you've seen like big afros and you know, different types of things. So it just, it's kind of down to like personal, um, preference, but a lot of people, they just like the versatility. It's trendy. Um, and you know, people like to follow the trends and celebrities. And I think that's mainly a couple of reasons why.
1: I, I hope you don't mind me asking this uh, question because this one has kind of been gnawing away at me ever since um, we were looking at different hair care products and like one of them was very clearly marketed to the black market. Like there was you know, the visual imagery of it on there. It was like, okay, well, you know, uh, as as a white fellow, I don't think this is for me. So like in, in the actual like uh, genetics of the hair itself, what is it about the hair that is in such demand that it actually ends up having a whole market share? I
0: think because it's, it varies so much. Like, there's so many different textures, and being able to care for it, you can't care for a straight hair the same way you would kinky curly hair. Mm. So, like, if you could provide a product for both, and then what about the people in the middle? <laughs> so it's like they. I think that they capitalized off of it so much because it's always an ongoing process of getting those steps right. What's working for your hair and um people continuously wanting to keep that up and grow their hair and, you know, because it it takes a while to even Mm -hmm. understand your hair and then it takes a while to, like, start to care for it the way that it needs to be taken care of for Even for anybody, you can mess it up just like that. So I think that's another drive for the market, too.
1: Yeah, like, I I, I started becoming obsessed with my hair, like, in the 11th grade. And that is (laughs) too not quite 20, but like 15 years ago. Uh, yeah. And like I said, like I had to develop a whole process for it. Like it is like, a I don't know about like a life's pursuit. Cause eventually, you know, it goes away anyways, but it it takes a long time to actually like understand the hair and to like appreciate its strengths and weaknesses. And, and, and it's funny. Cause you're saying like one little thing can go wrong. Like if I get hit with a drop of water, I'm done. It just, it's everything over. just like poops up.
0: <laughs> like starting the whole process over again. And it's just like, well, if you had one product that could just resolve that for you, you wouldn't have to worry about water. And I think they capitalize off of that a lot.
1: Yeah, especially like, okay, well, I mean, in case people are wondering, I am not wearing a wig right now. Uh, but I am lucky that I'm wearing <laughs> headphones because like even just the headphones alone help to kind of like keep a lot of the mess. And I also tie my hair back here, which is a sign that yes. I haven't been to the I figured you had a while.
0: ponytail back there.
1: Yeah? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I was, I was hoping, uh, people uh, wouldn't notice, but I guess as soon as I turn my head, you'll, you'll see, I, I get this, uh, now we're just getting into hair talk, but you know, I don't care. I don't really get to talk about this all that much. I, I made this mistake of like how, when my hair was like a lot longer and I would, um, uh, and I went to sleep and it was wet and I woke up and my neck had like a really bad rash on it too. Uh, which has taken me even to this day to heal. I've had to use different creams to, uh, keep it from healing, like to like from getting like too uh, itchy or stuff like that. That's just like a small example of like the different things that can go wrong in having this. So I can also understand too, is if like, you know, someone shows up to work and they got their wig uh, ready for them and, it, and then they just, it allows them to be more consistent because consistency is, is key. We got to be consistent with how we sound, consistent with how we look and consistent with the setting, consistent with everything. So even if somebody's uh, hair is a little bit off that day, that actually like has an effect on other people's perception and, and the ability to trust something consistent because here's the thing, here's how it works. So when someone ha- is, keeps things um, similar, I'm just using like a news, broadca- news broadcaster, they end up going more into like the subconscious um, you don't really notice the newscaster as much. You just notice the stories. So if somebody shows up to work and there's even like a, a subtle change or they're in a t-shirt or something like that, it pulls the audience out of their, uh, their their subconscious muscle memory. And now they're like focused on what's going on with them. So it's interesting. Yeah, hair, hair like is, it's, it's important. It changes a lot about how people see one another. Now, this was, this was the part I found was pretty funny. Oh, by the way, I should stop for a second in case you wanted to add anything to that because I ended up going on a rant.
0: Oh, no, I definitely agree people okay. they they do notice it'll it'll take them away and you know then you become a a trend on twitter <laughs> there
1: there is <laughs> it's just funny because like a lot of the stuff that we uh that we that we talk about when it comes to training a lot of it has to do with like what products to avoid when getting into the market so like we're recommended to avoid creams stuff that has to be like you know consumed or rubbed on people's faces just because there's a lot of things that can go wrong Hair. One of the things I noticed in like, in one of your videos is that you're talking about how like, there is like, um, a threshold of quality that it has to pass, cause it is going to be on somebody's head and that hair from Aliexpress is like, just not up to par. I, I, I use this term called bedrock. And the way I explain it is think of it like your rock bottom, but positive. It's like, what is like the, the, the bottom level for something to be acceptable? So how, what? Metrics or, or how do you basically how do you vet uh, quality hair and how do you make sure that it's gonna uh, last a long time withstand the elements and uh, I mean I guess overall too you know different lifespans for uh, for hair and for wigs.
0: I think it's a lot of um, not forgetting that it is hair, so it's whether it's grown out of your head or it's on a piece of thread. When you put it somewhere and you are manipulating it, you're coloring it, you're, you're doing something to it. If you're not taking care of it, then it is going to start to act up on you in multiple different types of ways because, and that can't really be measured, um, because it, it comes from various sources, but what you can do at least is to have like that bottom line. Okay. This, I, I understand that hair tangles. I understand that hair sheds. I understand the hair breaks. But how much is too much? And I think that's, those are the main three things that, you know, I like to keep in mind when it comes to hair because it's like, I can't forget those things. It is hair, you know, and everything breaks down over time, especially if you've been disconnected from your source, your source of nutrients.
1: And then with the... I, I don't even know this, and I, I mean, I guess I could check this out on Google, but it's always great to hear from my guests because they'll also get their take on it. But like, what? How exactly is synthetic hair even made? Like, I, I just don't know. Like, is yeah, I, I don't even know how to ask a question because I'm so like ignorant about how this works.
0: They've changed it up so much, and honestly, I can't even tell you off the top of my head. I don't really dabble too much into it because it's um, uh, it's not real to me. So <laughs> I don't want to play with plastic. Essentially, it's plastic. But it's like microfibers of like different things blended together, and sometimes they put human hair into it, and then sometimes it's just strictly plastic, and you can light it on fire and burn it away. So it's um, it just varies. They have like Kanakalon, which is like braiding hair. Um, they have yakki hair. Um, uh, it just varies, honestly.
1: Okay, yeah, I, 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 I feel it on that, and. Yeah, I mean, well, I've had a couple of accidents where I've set my uh, actual hair on fire. It also uh, burns up, but like it's, it's it's a different thing when it's just plastic that it burns up and it just uh, goes like that.
0: It, yeah, it'll like melt. You know, yeah. when you burn your hair, it turns to like a dust.
1: Yeah. When you burn
0: like synthetic it's crispy. hair, it, it melts. <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, I, I guess one way that I would want to uh, summarize this for, for people is, and I was trying to think, of, like what's the best way to do this? So for people who want to... Uh, dabble in this particular niche. Is there anything else that you can share with us uh, regarding strategy? Like where is it ideal to uh, market it? What kind of, in- how, do you, how do you base your interests? Because uh, everybody has hair. So I'm just wondering about how we relate the interests to the uh, particular product.
0: I think it definitely matters to go back to, you know, who your audience is and really hold on to, hone on to like what exactly they need and the things that um, bother them on a day-to-day basis where your product can help with that area and, you know, make their life easier. That's uh, this is probably the second reason why people are in business. And the first is, of course, making money. But I think the third one would be, I saw this in a recent interview, is time. Like, um, getting into this field, definitely look at the times that we are in. And what is trending and what isn't trending? And then how can you help push that initiative or even create another um, that can kind of like go hand in hand with what, of course, your audience needs?
1: Uh, have you have you seen anything? Uh, I, I'm thinking specifically like if a client was about to do something that would be uh, considered a red flag, or have you ever spotted anything about the product or even not just a product, but even a story, anything like that, where you'd have to say, oh, hold on, hold on. That's a red alert. Basically, I'm just like asking about like red flags or if uh, anything particularly emergent has come up.
0: I would say um, through selling products, clients, like if they don't know what they want, back away. All money is not good money. And you'll you'll spend more time spinning your wheels and losing your mind and trying to figure out whether or not you're going to make this sale. And if they'll even be satisfied with it, um, because a lot of times with the hair industry, people will blast you on social media and um, they can get very disrespectful. And people will carry on this narrative that, you know, this girl did me wrong and stole my money, or this guy did me wrong and stole my money. So I think um, understanding that not every client, just because they have $1,000, and they're willing to give it to you means that it's a good, solid thousand dollars, and that you really need it because you could find somebody who will put you through the ringer, or you and they'll give you a thousand dollars. Or you could find you somebody that is willing to pay you two thousand dollars, and they're a superb customer. But it's like you're kind of chasing that thousand dollar client versus that two thousand dollar client. You'll lose your mind more, and you won't even want to pursue the other person that will actually give you more. You know because you'll be messed up in the mind um i do want to add to that uh customer service the question that you had previously customer service is a big one too i don't want to go too much into it but yeah
1: yeah i i I see what you're saying um it's interesting i actually thought the analogy you were going to go with is like somebody pays you two thousand dollars but puts you through a nightmare versus someone who pays like a thousand dollars but is like chill and i mean there's value to that too but i think what you say has also something worth considering which is we end up expending so much energy on something that we become like reluctant to seek out continued work and then we end up missing out on some of the best opportunities because we've got that prior experience to it so i think that's a, that's an important point is you know we the money might look good but you chase it too hard and then you end up losing more in the long run anyways if you cost yourself the ability to uh, to make more one of the things that I saw from your YouTube content is about your your marketing strategy. I, I can't say, having s- spoken to so many people so far, that we have never brought this up, but it does seem pretty unfamiliar to me, which is the strategy of like offering a product and a service simultaneously. Now, is this something particularly you're doing with your business, or is this something particularly you are uh, instructing uh, clients to do? In either case... Uh, I would like to hear an expansion on this. So like we've been kind of like going off, uh, we've been using hair as our, our referential point. So we might as well stick to that. But if there are other examples you can give as well, I would want to hear those too. I'd like to hear any, uh, some some examples uh, or case, case study of implementing your strategy of like selling a product and then including a service with it. Or is it selling a service and including a product with it?
0: Okay, yeah. So um, I like to go service-based and then product because. It creates, uh, if you're already offering somebody that you're already offering somebody something that you don't have to spend money on. Well, I'm good at, you know, coloring in photo and, well, coloring in photo on the internet. I can log on to Canva and use that for free. I can get a photo up there for free and I can color them in and do X, Y, and Z for free and put it out on social media, for example. And people, catch on to it and they're like oh yeah I like this. it's so nice et cetera, et cetera." can you do it for me and it's like yes I can do it and I can take the photo you know and um I can do it and type of thing and offer like a product behind it like if you are a photographer and this is something that you started out doing and just expanding more on that for me I don't know if that was the best example, but for me, um, what I did starting out is I offered hair services, something that came naturally to me. And I all I had to do was show up and a lot of times just do the hair and then they would pay me for it. So for me, it went from me just showing up and doing the service and leaving to me showing up with the product doing the service and leaving. So it's like they kind of go hand in hand. If you could start out with a service first and then marry it in with a product that is in the same niche, I it. because I mean, for hair, at least when um, a customer comes to you and she's like, I want a wig, but I don't have any hair. And it's like, geez, I do hair, but I don't say hair either. So now me and you are both in the same boat trying to find some hair versus if you come to me and say, hey, I need some hair. Hey, I got some hair. And I have your service too, you know, and I think that's just, that's how I started out. And, um, it, it definitely paid off.
1: (laughs) And what I think is great too, is that the, uh, the customer also inherently trusts your expertise on it. So while they can spend time doing their research, which would be helpful, but, yeah, they then they end up having to take the risk and then they bring it to you. And, and then you might say, well, I can't really work on this because this is well, this is actually one of those hula skirts. I I don't understand why you thought this was. So. And so you, you would, it would take it takes more time for, uh, on both sides versus if you just you know, if you just do it and then you uh, they trust you with it and then you have the expertise. It, it builds your authority in the market as well, because now they recommend, oh, yeah, yeah, she she set me up. She figured out what hair product I needed. Uh, she came over. Um, the challenge with scaling, though, is that it, I, I would say if you continue to wanted to like uh, expand the business, being able to go and work individually with each person would be kind of a, um, a challenging factor because you can only travel so far out. Yeah. And the last time that I talked to somebody, this was a while ago, uh, it was Catalina Milan. And she, what she was doing was, you know, she would travel to work with clients and she would get paid well. It was a great experience. So like, what challenges are you coming into in trying to scale the operation? And I should say, if that is your intent, because not everybody needs to scale. Sometimes e-commerce can actually be more of like um, a controlled thing. Small doesn't necessarily mean a successful, quite the opposite. Sometimes small can actually be the best pathway to success, depending on what you're doing.
0: I look at how the CEOs move. So, like. Dan Locke. I don't know if you've heard him before. He's like, he's he's dope. Um, Check him out. He's on YouTube, but he gives a lot of insight on kind of like that rich dad, poor dad narrative and how you can, you can be that person showing up, doing the work, et cetera, et cetera. But then you, you're kind of essentially an employee versus having your money work for you. So it's a transition from me being there, showing up, doing the work, to my work standing on its own and passively making money and passively helping people, and still scaling for not just myself but for other people. So I'm I'm transitioning into um, ways to passively make money, you know, and other people who are already doing the work we can eat together you know kind of like a team
1: <laughs> i see what you mean okay so you have they have like experts you have you have people who can yeah. you can do the in person then you uh, and then you run the business yeah that makes sense yeah it actually it gives more work opportunity to them um so that's all uh, well and good i did have a couple other like not really not uh, not hair related questions some other stuff i was just curious uh, that i wanted to know about but i guess the the last one that i would want to ask on this subject is so you're seeing a are transitioning towards that. Any other plans you want to share with us or uh, how you see your, uh, your, your empire expanding?
0: Um, I definitely feel like I've been getting downloads from God and he's really been lighting the path for me. There are some things that I am working to transition away from in the hair industry. And then things that I want to go into more like the business spectrum and um. A part of that is just being able to help people, you know, start their business with no money. Like, it's a real thing. And it sounds like, what do you mean? You know, but it's so much out here that if you're not there, you won't know. So I'm trying to kind of like marry that. And it's um, it's definitely a process. And I think that it's going to be fruitful though, either way especially for people who you know don't have access to the things that they actually need outside of just capital is their resources. So if I could say anything that's that and then just transitioning into you know more business entrepreneurship has been a thing of mine for a while and I really didn't know where to go or how to go or even a true definition of it. So it's been a journey for me and I just I really just, Want to give back to other people because I wish, you know, I had somebody to do that for me.
1: The the thing that really stuck out to me uh, over the course of this conversation thus far is the ability to give people the ability to restore some of themselves um, if they had lost their hair for one reason or another, or it, they were in the midst of it, or it just wasn't cooperating. To be able to look at themselves in the mirror again and see an image that they recognize. I I don't, I can't fathom what kind of effect that has on people, but I imagine that for some people it really like makes a difference and gives them some of that, some of that strength back to, on their way to recovery. So, so that's, that's the thing that really uh, stuck out to me. And that's why I think, uh, you know, God is uh, directing you in this way, because it does give people an unmistakable positive, um, especially for a lot of them, they're they're going through a lot, going through a struggle. Uh, I, I, when I get to talk to people who are open about their relationship with God, I I do ask this question about like, when do you remember having a very uh, distinct experience um, with God? Um, Mine was a dream. I had a dream. I was in an office and he was on the other side and just kind of like checking in with me and seeing if I was cool. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And there was like an open door behind him, which was like a metaphor for for death. And so what do you think? I mean, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'll, I'll go back. And Yeah. Because dreaming has always been like a big thing for me. Although for listeners, just so for those of you who listened to the uh, Greg Halpern episode, what he said about dreaming really stuck with me. So I don't think I wasn't affected by it. But all of that said, um, I, 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 I just love asking this question just to hear You know, how uh, has God manifested in your life and how did you feel you were uh, connecting and how were you getting messages from God? As a
0: kid, I always just felt like I had this calling all my life when times would get really hard and I would be frustrated with even existing. I just felt like he was always there. And you know, not like physically there. For me, I haven't experienced that, but he definitely played a role. And then it was kind of like um as I grew up, there were things that would take place where I do get feelings, like intuitive feelings. Um Towards certain situations that I would be in, or the little voice in the back of my head. And I'm kind of like you too. I'll have dreams. And it's it's kind of like eye-opening. A recent dream that I had from him was something um in relation to like my purpose. And um I I journal a lot. And that's my main like foundation. Of my relationship with God is through journaling, and we kind of just have that one-on-one talk. And I can feel His spirit and His presence when I do just let it all go. Um, and then also, there's times where I'll I can call out and you know just let him know how I feel. And sometimes it can feel like um, a weight lifted off of my shoulders, or like you know somebody there comforting me. I do feel that um, at times, but yeah, the, those are the main the main ways. They're beautiful.
1: <laughs> Jour- journaling is a is a new one. I haven't heard um, uh, anybody relate to that, but I can understand that. It's just letting the thoughts flow through it freely, and then looking back on it like ten minutes later and thinking, "Wow, you know, there was more." I think there was more than one writer here. That's kind of like the the to take with the takeaway that I get from that. Next one, not God related at all. Well, actually it could be, I should wait until I get your answer. But uh, what my producer did is uh, she, uh, she likes to, she goes onto people's uh, LinkedIn just to kind of like see what are people's uh, work experience. I don't, I don't do that. I, I have a bit of, I'm a bit of like a tinfoil hat person. So the idea that like people can see I visited their page and like, I don't know. That's always yeah. kind of like, I uh, sat with me, <laughs> but my producer, uh, doesn't mind because, uh, she has a spine, but anyways, I, I did notice that you had like some of your early, early, early jobs were, uh, were for like fast food. I myself, I come from like the grocery kingdom and mm-hmm. even to this day, I go grocery shopping and I'll, I'll, I'll take a can out and then I'll like grab the other cans and I'll start facing them because the muscle memory <laughs> never really went away and um so i got two questions for you one uh did any like muscle memories or any uh any habits like that uh carry on after those because frankly that work is can be very repetitive and number two i i would also like to know if any uh if it taught you any t- any lessons that uh work ethics or any insight or wisdom that you gained from from those positions that came with you
0: um definitely customer service you yeah, have your sense customers that are a little cuckoo and then you have some that are you know talkative or you have some that are very friendly and it's just kind of what I've learned from those experiences is to not react to something so whether or not somebody's upset with me um or you know in those types of moments unless it's like positive or happy I have to be there to support them and work them through what they need, because they essentially need me in that moment. And I think that's like major customer service. I feel like regardless of industry, it's very important. So I would say customer service is a major one that I got. And um, what else? I don't know. I guess I'm good with, you know, crafty things. I did pizza. I I worked at Domino's for like almost two years. So um, I'm quick with my hand movements. Um, I can get a lot of things done, you know, I'm a multitasker. So that's something that I feel like I got from there too. drive through though, fast food drive through. Oh no, that's too much for me. (laughs) My brain, it it doesn't operate. I can't, you know, ring somebody up talk to somebody at the same time, call out to the kitchen. I can't, I can't do all that all at once. That's a little too much, but yeah. it's like really it's like hands on. Breakdown. Yeah. You know, I can do that. <laughs> yeah.
1: to, to, um, I, was, I was in the car with uh, two of my friends and uh, I'm, I'm, in the back seat and uh, my friend in the passenger seat is all right, Joe, just say what you want and uh, don't overcomplicate it. I'm like, don't overcomplicate it. I just, <laughs> I just, something. Uh, can I get a, I just want a number one combo. And then, uh, five, five minutes later, no, it was, it's a, it's a, it's a double double, but cream instead of sugar. And then the number one breakfast sandwich and hash brown, uh, and i got to like lean over my, my friend is like in, in the driver's seat. I said, I wanted to, try. so I, 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 my job is in communications and I screwed that up. So like, yeah, it, being on the other side can be pretty nightmarish at times because it's, it's never, it, cause the customer is always right. So it's yes. all, like, no matter what the issue is, I always have to think, okay. How is this an opportunity for me to do this job better? If I don't think that, then I end up being very resentful for what I'm doing. So it's important psychology. And I also, too, I got to say, the thing that I really took away from what you said is that when the customer, presumably at uh, Domino's or the other place that you worked, and they're going through something, and you said, This is them, they need me. um, That to me tells me, you know, you're your, your, your closeness with a higher calling is something that's been with you for a long time, because I, I don't think there are statistically that many people in that position who would do that. I think a lot of people would just be like, all right, just follow, follow the instructions from the, uh, from the VHS training tape and just, and, and just get this person through. But you saw it as an opportunity to reach out to somebody and connect with them. And then I briefly had this image in my head of like, the mcdonald's ball pit converting into a temporary uh therapy room where people would just like (laughs) lie down on the ball pit and just have the it's yeah there's a comedy premise in there
0: i've definitely had um, an experience working in retail this lady came in and she i was with her for about 30 minutes just walking around the store and it wasn't even like a you know trying to get anything out of it type of thing but it was just like you know, that sense of she, need, she needs me. Yeah. She needs me for advice, et cetera, et cetera. And at the end of that, she was like, I wish I could tip you. And, you know, like in retail, you can't really tip in retail, but, um, you know, you just never know. Like, what if she did tip me, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's people who could use that tip. And it's just a matter of the things that are free to us, love, respect, empathy, you can give that to people and you just never know how it may pay off. I,
1: I will say, I think tipping should be fine in that industry. I I, <laughs> I, I can't really think of an industry where tipping is like not, well, maybe law, but other than that, like, t- you know, tipping really can m- make or break somebody. And I think it helps incentivize people who are like, not just good at their job, but really good at their job to be able to stay around longer and, you know, Actually, be able to sustain themselves because unfortunately, a lot of those jobs are uh, difficult for one to find uh, long term uh, sustainability. It's unfortunate, but there's yeah. a whole thing about that, like, you know, what those jobs are there for. And I will say two things about it. One is that, like, muscle, though they're really good at starter jobs because of the muscle memory. Like, even when I'm not in the grocery store, and I'm just like fixing things on the, sh- on the shelf at home, that memory that I picked up, it makes it enjoyable to do now, just kind of like arrange my, uh, my groceries. And then I also thought, you know, someday I'm going to retire. What am I going to do after I retire? Probably just going to go back to the grocery shelf, honestly. Keeps me yeah. active, put a little bit of change in my pocket. Keeps me from like not doing anything. I'm sitting around all day, waiting for the, for the clock to tick. So, you know, e- even though those jobs can be pretty difficult, I do look back on them with, uh, with a lot of reverence.
0: It's definitely, yeah, I can agree. Like, it'll help me stay active and engaging. Do y'all
1: have Chick Fil A out there? It's new. We uh, we had it. I think it came. It, ju- it came to Toronto last year. Yeah. Excuse so, me, wow. So we're still getting. We're, we're, there, there's lineups for it. Uh, of course, this is Toronto, so half the people are lined up for it. The other half are lined up with sides calling uh, Chick Fil A racist because mm-hmm. I just can't help it today. But yeah, so th- there's been a lot of controversy there too. But like, from what I hear, the uh, the chicken is good. And I think there's actually one opened up like. No, no, sorry. We had a Jolly Bee's open up just down the street. Uh, wrong one. Jolly Bee's? Yeah.
0: Interesting. They sell chicken too?
1: <laughs> Interesting is uh is is a generous way to put it. Their their slogan is like chicken and spaghetti. Hmm. <laughs> wow. I haven't gotten in line for that one yet. Okay. Uh well, I I I got to say I think that's I don't think I'm looking at it right now. That's uh, all I I had to uh, really plan for you. There's definitely got a lot of uh, really great insights. Um, so for that, I'm, I'm I'm very thankful. And again, I, I feel like such a noob. I really didn't understand much about hair, and like I'm starting to get it a little bit better now. So as far as listeners, I hope I was able to do the same favor. Um, the last thing we'll do is if there's any like parting advice or words of wisdom you'd like to share, you know, an answer to a question I didn't ask, you're more than welcome to. And then uh, let our audience know how they can uh, interact with you, check out your content, and maybe get in touch.
0: If there is anything. I just feel like don't give up. Um, I'm sure that's probably like a cliche thing to say, but literally don't give up. If something is reoccurring in your life and it's a good thing, definitely act on it. And you just never know where it'll take you. Um, take advantage of the things that are free, empathy, love, respect, care, and you'll be blessed abundantly. If you're looking for me, you can find me on social media at The Realist J. That's um realist with an E at the end. And Jay with two E's. I'm also um, on YouTube, The Realist Jay. And that's why I share more content about the hair industry, this industry. And I keep it very informative, help people start their business with no money. And yeah.
1: <laughs> well well, listeners, if you're if you're like me and like you, you know, leaning more towards uh, drawers that stick underneath the desk rather than hair. I would still say it's worth checking out some of the content because there's any insights are good insights. And, uh, and I think today it was just a small example of, of that. So uh, again, th- uh, really thank you for your time. It was great to, to have you on the show. All right, audience, uh, you know what to do at this point. And if you don't, uh, stand by. We will get the instructions to you as soon as possible. But otherwise, take care and we'll check in soon. Thanks for listening. You might have found this show on many number of platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoyed this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at Debutify.com. Or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.